John chapter 15, as was mentioned in the title of one of the songs, I'll be speaking on abiding in the vine. John chapter 15, I'll begin reading in verse number one. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Abiding in the vine. This passage and the title of the message suggest very many basic and fundamental foundational themes of our Christian faith, that our life totally flows from the true vine, which is Jesus. That without being connected to the vine, without being connected to Jesus, we can do nothing of any lasting value. So many people in life today want to make sure that their life counts, that they make a difference in this world, that they leave a legacy, that they leave their mark. Well, I have a simple answer. If you want to do that, connect to Jesus. This passage shows us that remaining connected to the vine, he will produce fruit in our lives because the branches don't produce it on their own. And that when we remain connected and produce fruit, God is glorified. And I want to touch on these themes, but also one that is very important to me today. The fact that branches on a vine cannot exist without being connected to the other branches. That being connected to Jesus means we will be connected to one another. I want us to see the progression in that passage of being fruit-bearing branches presented it started in verse 2 with branches that would bear no fruit. Then went on to branches that bear some fruit, if you stay connected. Then in verse 2, it talks about more fruit. And then in verse 5, it talks about much fruit. And the progression is capped off in a verse we hadn't read initially, but it's in John chapter 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give you. That's what we're seeking, fruit 
that remains. Jesus is using the analogy of a, of fruit on a tree here. So I need to be clear about something. The fruit that grows on any tree on this planet is not for the tree. It's for other people. We're not bearing fruit to be able to say, look what I got. Now, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't take care of ourselves. I'm not suggesting that it's wrong to be good to oneself and to engage in self-care. And I'm not suggesting that doing anything for yourself is necessarily being selfish. But let's be clear from this passage and this analogy. Trees bear fruit not for the tree. But doing everything for and only for oneself is simply not the Christian way. In using this picture of fruit-bearing trees, it cannot be escaped that trees bear fruit for others. Fruit has three basic characteristics. It will reflect the nature and health of the tree. Fruit, like it or not, is visible. No one goes up to a tree that has no fruit on it and says, what wonderful fruit the tree has. It's visible. You can see it. And again, the fruit is always for others. Healthy trees do not produce rotten fruit. They don't produce poison fruit. And they don't produce strange fruit. No one benefits if the tree if the fruit that a tree is producing is rotten and tastes bad. It should not be tasting bad. So much of what comes out of so many people today is just rotten fruit. Different opinions and different mindsets, so much hate that we see in our world today, the fruit of so many people's lives is simply rotten fruit. Our lives need to reflect and, and inspire the desire that when others come to us, they can come and taste and see that the Lord is good. It's from Psalm 38, verse 4. Also, healthy fruit is not going to poison anyone. It amazes me some of the things people will say to one another, not giving any concern or any care for what the impact will be on someone else. Well, I'm going to say what I want to, and at least I'll feel better. Again, the fruit is not for the tree. It's not about you feeling better. It's not about me feeling better. It's about what am I producing that can be called good fruit. No other way to say this. We really need to be thoughtful in the way we say things. You can say truth the wrong way. And the end result of that is that no one listens to the truth. I can go up to someone and say, I have a friend. His name is Jesus. I know he loves you. Can I talk to you about him? Or I can go up to someone and say, hey, I sense that you're a filthy, rotten, pagan heathen. Both are true. But one is not going to get anyone's attention. 
We need to be thoughtful about the way we say things. And the tree doesn't get to decide if the fruit that it brings out is its own. And by that I mean, I'm not concerned with you liking me. I'm not concerned with you following me. I need you to follow Jesus. And healthy fruit is not strange. I don't want people to think that the, that the foundation of the Christian faith is simply a set of rules and regulations. I don't want people to think our Christian faith is not just about what we give up. It's about what we get. We get Jesus. We get his peace. We get his love. We are set free by his word. So many Christians look at, so many people look at Christians today, and all they see is somber, sour, cranky people. Not any of us, of course. I'm here to declare there is joy in the abundant life that Jesus gives. There is peace that is greater than any storm. Now, I'm not of a mind to tell a new believer when they are first starting out in the faith. You got to give, now that you've come to the altar and given your heart to Christ, you got to give that up. You got to stop doing that. You can't go there. I bet not see you doing this. You know, I really do trust the Holy Spirit. He is more powerful than any rule or regulation I can put in anyone's life. And I'm convinced, as has been true in my life, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I'm going to want to do things that grieve the Spirit now living in me. Let them see how good God is. My experience has been that people, when they truly taste Jesus, nothing else satisfies. Nothing else will give them that sense of peace. But all this centers on being connected to the vine making him a part of every day, making him a part of every direction, making him a part of every desire. That's being connected to the vine. Jesus, I want you. Notice that the branches don't have to work hard to produce fruit. The fruit comes from being connected. It gets produced by what you're connected to. If your life is connected to idols, it will produce fruit in keeping with what you're connected to. If your lives are connected to the opinions of others and whether or not you're seen or liked, your life will produce fruit that, that will reflect what you're connected to. If your life is connected to habits of anger or hatred, then guess what? The fruit reflected in your life will be obvious. But when your life and my life is connected to the vine, to Jesus Christ, we move from no fruit to some fruit to much fruit to fruit that remains. Fruit that will outlast me. But if you study vines, just even do searches on pictures of just vines, you will quickly notice something. 
There is no vine that exists anywhere that has just on it one branch. It has many branches. The branches are intertwined or interconnected. They touch one another. I take issue with Christians who say they love God but can't deal with people. Sorry. That's not how the Bible is, is put together. They will say, after all, my Christian faith is personal and private. Well, it may be personal because you can't get saved just because you belong to a church. You've got to make a personal decision to accept him as Lord and Savior. So yes, your faith is personal, but there's nowhere in the Bible that says it's private. Nowhere. Yes, it's personal. You must accept it for yourself, but the Christian faith is not private. Others will say, well, I feel closer to God when I'm alone, out at the beach, or hiking in the woods. I don't have the same experience when I get into church and other people are around. I got to pause and wait for the Holy Spirit before I respond to that one. Part of your identity as a Christian is that you are a member of the body of Christ. That's part of who you are. You are no more part of the body of Christ when you're out on the beach by yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. Those can be wonderful experiences. We do need times when God needs to get us alone. But let's understand that we were meant to be intertwined with other branches that are also connected to the vine. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the two passages in the New Testament that talks about spiritual gifts, Romans 12 being the other one. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, it would look strange. Let me read on. If the whole body were an eye, would there... Where would be hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would there be smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he is, is pleased. And if there were all one member, where would be the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. So much to comment there. And I'll save diving into spiritual gifts for another time. However, I want to draw attention to one phrase. As Christians, we don't get the opportunity nor the option to say about the rest of the body, I have no need of you. Because you do. Anytime we say or think or believe 
or embrace that I have no need for the body of Christ, there is a biblical word for that. That's a lie. Anytime we act as if being with other believers is optional, that's walking in a lie. And anytime we proclaim to other people that being connected to a local church is not needed, now you've gone from just embracing the lie to walking in the lie to preaching the lie. Jesus did not save you to be a vine or a branch that's connected to a vine all by yourself. Now, can people be difficult? Yeah, because you're difficult. I'm difficult. We're all difficult. Others will say, well, my personality isn't suited to being with other people in a local church. It's a simple word, and it may be harsh. Come on, people, we need to grow up. And by that I mean learn to grow in fellowship with others who are also growing in fellowship. And we grow together. But there's so much immaturity when I go to a local church. Gee, doesn't stop anybody from going to McDonald's. And I see a whole lot of immaturity there. Well, I expect more of people in church than I do at the people at McDonald's. Okay. And they should be able to expect more of you. Your identity is being part of the body. Others will still say, well, I'm already part of other community-type groups. Let me be clear about that. Facebook groups don't count. <laughs> they just don't count. Playing softball with your coworkers on your job is nice. Getting together with parents of other children in your child's class, that's good. Being with the guys at the gym, that can be wonderful. But none of that is the body of Christ. None of that is church. And that's what we're called. It's part of our identity. As branches connected to the vine, we are intertwined with one another. None of us ever get the privilege or the right to say, I have no need of any part of the body. Because we're one body. Think being part of the body is a vital part of your identity. We spoke about that last week. Talked about being a child of God is key to our identity. So is being part of the family of God. God reached out to Abram so that he could be a blessing to all nations, not just to Abram. God wants a people, not just individuals. Yes, he saved you to become part of his people. Jesus saved us so that we could be part of his church, part of his bride, all of us together, we abide in the vine. We stay connected together. We touch one another's lives. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We demonstrate love for one another. We teach one another. At times, we annoy one another. Don't you hate that? 
but we're still part of a family. How many of you have a biological family that exists where nobody in your biological family annoys you? None of you better raise your hands. You've got people in your biological family that just drive you nuts. You don't have to say amen. I know it's true. Yet they're still family. They're still part of you. And the truth is, we're going to spend eternity together. Better get used to the idea of people now. Being connected to Jesus connects us to one another. And remember, the church was not some human, inter um, uh, human invention. We didn't decide it'd be a good idea. Let's get together and be the church. The church was established on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell and anointed and began the church. We exist for his glory. And since the church, his bride exists for his glory, it's not optional. First question I ask anyone I meet new that says, I'm a believer. Great. Glad to meet your brother or sister. What church do you go to? I'm not trying to be nosy or picky, but you understand a lot about someone's faith when you see how they prize the body of Christ. Do we stumble sometimes in church? Yeah, we do. Do we hurt one another sometimes? Yeah, we do. But we need to get to this place where we understand that my identity as a Christian is not walking alone on some beach. Those moments are good, but they're not foundational. My identity is I'm a member of the body of Christ. Can church folks be problematic? <laughs> yeah. Can they say the wrong thing sometimes? Yeah. Can they cause hurt or pain? Yeah. Tell me what natural family hasn't done that. But the foundational reality is that the potential of what the church can be, the life the church can inspire, the power the church can channel when we get this right is unmatched by any other group, any other collection of humanity has ever imagined. This world is craving for unity. It's not just believers. Unbelievers that I know are tired of the division that is so prevalent and so obvious in our culture today. So we all want the same thing, but it seems most of our culture, and sadly, many in the body of Christ, are trying to establish unity in the wrong places. It's not going to be established by a political party. It's not going to be established by a political cause. It's not going to be established by some other means or other things. It's not going to be established by all of us just deciding out of some power that they believe springs out of, out of being human that we're going to be nice to one another. Unity comes by being connected to the vine. And that vine is Jesus. 
but I want to be one with everybody without having to come to Jesus. People, I didn't write this. I'm just preaching what is written. He said, without me, you can do nothing. With all of the shortcomings and flaws that are rightly pinned on the church, and we should never shy away from them, I thank God every, every day for the church. I thank God every day for this local church. I thank God for being a part of Calvary Church of God. This is my family. This is my home. We all want to see unbelievers come to know Jesus. We all want to see lost souls find life-giving water that only God can provide. We also want the world to know that we believe in Jesus. We want to be good witnesses. We want people to know that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? How do we let them know that we are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Thankfully, Jesus gave us one way we can show that. John chapter 13, verse number 35. By this, all will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It doesn't say if you love the world. And we should love people. But the way in which Jesus communicated to his disciples that others would know they were his disciples is how they treated one another. Why go through all this? All the bother, all the effort to be part of a church. Jesus made it clear in verse 11 of the opening passage we read in John 15 that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. I thank God for the body of Christ. I love the church. I'm thankful for the church. I love getting together with Christians. Even yesterday at the funeral for a dear sweet lady, I was glad to be able to reconnect with believers, some I haven't seen in so long, being able to talk about old stories about the churches we were part of and the church groups we were a part of many, many years ago. And to remind ourselves that even though it was many, many years ago, it's amazing that none of us is getting any older. Yeah, we were lying. Because that connection is precious. There's nothing like it. When we come together after a service, that's not coming together after church. That's church. That's the body of Christ intertwining and being connected to the vine and allowing the vine to connect us to one another. Because we want our joy to be full. Well, I'm just better off on my own. I love God but I don't need to be with people. Okay, when you can find that in the scriptures, we can sit and talk. Because obviously before that, there's nothing to talk about. Because you've got your own opinion, and I'm right. (laughs) 
We need one another. We need one another. We have fun together. This church likes to laugh. We laugh at so many different things. We laugh at one another. Now, that particular admonition is not in the scriptures. It says, love one another, encourage one another. It doesn't say laugh at one another. But we do love one another. And that's how the world will know we're his disciples. Stand with me, please.